Welcome to Well Examined, the podcast where science and discovery meet intuition and wellness with your host, Christine Dynes. Each episode, I'll chat with the best minds in integrative epigenetic health, biohacking, neuroscience, quantum healing, and lifestyle design, as well as a slew of reputable citizen scientists across all facets of wellness. Welcome, friends. Today, we are joined by fellow biohacker Kristen Weitzel, creator and founder of Warrior Woman Mode and Sherpa Breath and Cold. Kristen is a veteran biohacker and wellness expert. And what I love about Kristen's contribution to the community is that she's bringing her experience from both her personal and professional journey to offer an integrative approach to healing that touches on all facets of vitality. I just saw Kristen at the eighth annual biohacking conference out in Beverly Hills, where she was sharing with me this upcoming course she's hosting for health and wellness pros on breath work and cold exposure training. And it's here in my neck of the woods out in North Carolina. So I wanted to have her on to share all about the course. And as I always do, I collected questions from listeners. So I'll be sure to ask those throughout the chat for everyone out there. Hey, Kristen, thanks for coming on today. Oh my God, girl, thank you so much for having me here and for, yeah, supporting the North Carolina, the Carolinas. <laughs> the Carolinas. I know it's such an exciting place. It's another melting pot. People have come from mm. all over the country and I'm even meeting people who have moved here from Europe. So it's been a blast getting to know people in general and then just this evolving health community. I mean, nature is at everyone's doorstep here. And the, you know, vibration of wellness as we're connected to nature, it's just, it's really cool. So I love that you're coming and I want to share what you're doing. And, you know, uh, I love to start my podcast with asking, what's your icky guy? So I always say for um, newbie listeners, this is your passion, your purpose, who you are and how what you're doing has evolved through who you are. So Kristen, you take it from here and share with everybody. What's your guy? Yeah. I mean, my guy has really, if I look at like the broad perspective of it, it's become more and more around working specifically with physiological females in the, I guess what we'd call the biohacking space, but, um, or, and I should say, there's this interesting thing, like when you look at the the chart of like how you sort of show up in the world and what your guy evolves to be, because I think part of it is like the work we're putting in and the dedication to our passion, but there's something else about the bubbling up of, or the thing that I might say, the universe kind of serves you on a, on a silver platter. <laughs> and within that women's biohacking sphere, um, you know, and I've worked with some men in the past before I sort of fell in love and have had a really big romance with breath work and cold exposure as something that's a personal passion and something that continues to be served up to me on a silver platter. And this, this combination or this marriage with what I think is really important, which is what are you good at? You know, like that, that can be a challenge for some people because it's like, oh, I'm good at this thing, but it doesn't shake the trees for me. And so this is a thing that while I love working with women and I still do that in an annual like one-on-one -on -one customized programs to really optimize women's health and wellness across the board, this thing has continued to be served to me in a silver platter, right? It's a part of my other programs, but it um, has given me a lot. It has widened the landscape, breath work and cold exposure for me to work with men and athletes and swim teams and a UFC fighter and 
um, people who are instructors. So if I look back at my life, the thing that I did and I got really good at for a long time was educating people across the country of different personalities and types and people that require different management styles and ways of being taught, right? Different learning styles. And in the past, I had a corporate job. Or I was really good at that, but it didn't shake the trees of me, so to speak, right? It didn't fill my soul with something that felt like this is the thing, you know, this is the thing that really gets me. And so, um, and so that, but I needed those years of traveling all over North America and educating thousands of people and hiring and firing and all of that so that I could understand how to do that well as a foundation for this instructor training program, this Sherpa breath and cold instructor training program. And so my old um, CrossFit coach, I guess you call him, I don't know, mentor, a friend of mine, Logan Gelbrick always talks in his book called Going Right about you find and you, you, you step into this thing that is your peak expression in life. And so for me, that's what this breath and cold program is about. It's like the opportunity to open the doors for people on who they really are, who they've always been and, you know, who, what capacity they actually have, which is quite often I find people think they have less capacity than they really do. And so creating that opening is, yeah, my ikigai. Oh my gosh, I love that. And it's funny because um, when I was, I know you know Renee and Lauren, the biohacker babes, obviously. When I was in yeah. conversation um, with them, we decided that we were going to call biohacking biofinessing. And I hear, <laughs> I hear a lot of awareness and a lot of gratitude in the way that you just shared your ikigai. And it is this biofinessing, the way that we take all of that experience and help it flow forward. Um, and, you know, you speak the language of water here with people. So it's really cool what you're doing yeah. right now. So many of our listeners are here because they know that, um, you know, you will be coming on to share how your work has amplified and really mutually accentuated other integrative health practices and therapies. They're here to learn how current therapies they regularly use can be complemented by breath work and cold exposure. So I'm hoping we can break in about how a Sherpa breath and cold course is really personalized for each group and how you hold space for each new group that you're teaching. I'm, you know, guessing just by hearing you share about your Ikigai as a high level biohacker um, turned practitioner that, you know, you saw cold exposure could help up-level people's healing journeys. And is that how just your journey into teaching this specific thing got started? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing cold and I'm certified in other modalities, if you want to call them that, for several years now. I've been doing cold since I was uh, in my teens, like late teens, doing like Russian and Turkish bathhouses and um, like uh, gym jabongs, like Korean spas and things like that, and not really knowing how to practice cold in a way that's like stress inoculation or adaptation to stress because the the baseline of cold, if we're speaking specifically about cold, is to create a minimum effective dose of stress that the body can create an adaptation to on a number of levels. We can talk about those benefits so that we can be more resilient when stress hits our life. And so for me, you know, walking along that journey felt really opening to a lot of the my, my own personal practice and then also the ways that I, I, I worked with people cold there's something about cold that it cuts to the core and that sounds like you know a commentary on the temperature but there's there's just really something about cold that 
you know, I say a lot of times that the combination of breath work and cold exposure, there are no two modalities. And for people who, who don't know me who are listening to this, you know, when I say there are no two modalities that I've tried that are more transformational in an, in an expedited way than breath and cold exposure, if, if you really knew me, you'd know that I've done hundreds of different styles of modalities. And I, I trained, I'm, a, I'm an aggregator, so I've trained and certified <laughs> in a lot, a lot of things. And then as biohackers, right, we're here self-testing, self-evaluating, self-examining our lives away, right? And having lots of fails and hopefully quickly so we can course correct and lots of successes. And so these modalities to me feel they just feel different, right? They're nervous system related and that's super important. And then also you ha- I have the ability to see someone's entire landscape of how they manage their lifelong, what they're dealt in their lifelong hand of stress in like three to five minutes in cold. And I just don't think that there's any other place where someone can be so revealed in that short of a period of time. And so I think the the short answer is it's affected me. Cold and breath has changed me as a person. It's affected me. And it's also given me the ability to watch people transform relatively quickly, layered into other practices that they have, or even if they're just starting from a place where they may be more, um, they may be less conditioned, let's say, right? They're showing up saying, what do I start with? I love that. I mean, you're talking about stress inoculation and, you know, your approach to teaching about the nervous system is so intuitive, but let's talk about this concept of stress as a stimulus, because I'm always looking at very nuanced information on epigenetics, but I never Mm -hmm. start with anybody in some arbitrary place. I take this biological medical approach and always begin with the nervous system. Um, but you know, some people you say stress inoculation. What you know? What do you mean? And so, how do you teach to people who might be resisting? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, how do you teach to people who might be resisting, especially because you're teaching to practitioners and I guess let's call them high level lay people. But even a high level lay person or a high level uh, you know integrative practitioner, they still have their areas of resistance. Totally. And it's what's so cool about the Sherpa Breath and Cold Weekend. Number one, like let's just like back end it or bookend it with this what it is. It's a weekend experience, two eight hour days, Saturdays and Sundays typically, although I'm always happy to go to a host and do like a midweek experience if they have an in-house staff. And it's the opportunity for people who either are coaching now or facilitators. I've had plant medicine facilitators, I've had massage therapists, I've had trauma therapists, you know, anything from the more clinical side to the more Um, energetic side who come and want to layer this into both their personal practice and then the ways with which they can work with clients, um, layering into their workshops, their retreats, what have you. So in that weekend, we cover a lot of information around breath and around cold exposure. And what I, what I noticed when I was taking certifications in the world, because we all know there's lots of them out there, right? You can go to any breath work training, you can go to a few cold exposure type of trainings in the world. And get a lot of knowledge. And as I was walking around and I was saying, okay, what can I learn from this person or that person or Patrick McEwen or XPT or 
Um, one of my breathwork mentors was Wim Hof's right-hand man for his educational programs for like six years. Cool. Well, look at all the stuff I can garner, right? That's like Casper, <laughs> Casper Vandermeule. And I always say he's his Wim Hof's right-hand man. I should start using his name more. But Casper is a, a fin- he's a brother to me. Like he's just, you know, these people oh, have all that. taught me so much. And then what I, what I noticed or felt like strongly was missing was, um, this like combination for a number of years, I traveled around the world training trainers in a fitness format, a cardio drumming format, and just sort of seeing attitudinally how people showed up and introduced themselves and how people were sort of self-sabotaging or just introducing themselves from a place of like, I'm not good enough. Like that was the energetics behind it. And then, and then in taking all the cold and the breath courses, I was learning a shit ton of information, but it was like, okay, I'm going to walk away with all this. And what does it feel like for me to go and actually put a workshop or a class or weave this into my business? Like what, what are the tactics? Like, how do I do that? And I just didn't (laughs) see that. And as a person who was like, I want to go out and practically apply it. And I want people to be able to layer this in. I started feeling like, well, there's a way to do this. Let me teach people how to do it, right? So I, I say all the time, what I'm teaching in the Sherpa Breath and Cold certification program for instructors and coaches, and quite frankly, you're right. Like I also get just super fans that are like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I love Breath and Cold. <laughs> love it. Um, those people come in and, and what I'm doing is saying, okay, how do we, I'm not teaching you the Kristen Weitzel method. Let's just be clear on that. I am in love with people in the world like Wim Hof, like Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese, like Patrick McEwen, who's a super nerd researcher in the breath space, like, you know, Dan Brule, the godfather of breath, like Casper, all these people. I'm in love with their work. And I, I think there's this place for all of us. But what I want to do is like there is no place I could find where I could get together with a crew of people or students and say, okay, cool. What does the breadth of breath look like? What does the breadth of cold look like? Let's put our finger on a few of the major styles throughout the last hundreds of years. Cause none of us who are alive today are the first people to be breathing in breath work <laughs> or doing cold exposure. And let's talk about like why these people are doing all these different styles of practices. Like why, what whim is known for is, is correlated to this nervous system tone, even though whim's doing the world of different things, right? He's known for something what's rebirthing and where is it getting a bad wrap and what kind of breath is you know uh you know first came to householders in, in the in the in the world and talk about all the breath and cold in a way that's like here's the landscape and here's what the different names either people's names or styles right are um are what they mean and it's like okay cool so if i'm going to say that um you know trauma trauma process, processing breath work or uh what do people always say? The Navy SEAL, three, four, seven, eight, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. the names are, or whoever the people are, right? Patrick McEwen, if we're going to like call out some name of someone's doing breath work and oxygen advantage, and what are the names of those things? What do they mean? How do they correlate to nervous system tone? And then how do we incorporate those different styles into an arc of a class or a workshop that you put together? And then here's the most important thing that no one is talking about. What's the context of the person who's showing up in your audience? Because Christine, I'm going to make a breath and cold class. That's very different for, let's say a room of women who have been through physical or emotional or some kind of abuse, right. That are like coming into a specific, they want a specific outcome. Their context is different than I am to a cross, a group of CrossFitters in a gym, right. I'm going to do something that's more performance oriented and just, and, and, serving people up what they need, especially if it's like getting, hitting them a little closer to home in the beginning, even if you want to expand the landscape down the road, meaning 
if your audience is a bit more in the woo universe, like woo adjacency is kind of where I live, then maybe it needs to be a little bit more like that. And maybe your, or maybe your audience is like, I want to lift a shit ton of weight and I want to be like a badass. Like then, okay, maybe it's more attenuated to that vibe to start. And then people get acclimated and then they can expand their practice in, in all the directions of all the spaces of breath and cold. And so this is just what, like this, that's a really long answer, but this is why this has become such a piece of, I call it my passion, but I think it's also why the universe continues to serve it up because I'm really good at this training, this landscape. I mean, it's just, you're a high level translator. You have to be able to speak many languages and that's where the curated personalization comes up. I mean, speaking to, just like you said, speaking to one group about their nervous system and what their goals are. Even that's the thing too. Some people haven't even thought of what are my goals? I'm here to, I'm here, I'm showing up, but I'm not exactly sure what my goal is to begin with. And the fact that you can help train people to ask better questions is huge too. And I know that's a huge part of what you do is teaching people how to ask the questions. So they know how to personalize for their own group, which I love about you. Um, yeah. Some of your friends have told me that you're so great at, which is so cool to hear your friends. <laughs> so I have a feeling I, you know, have some insight into this, but uh, tell people about, do you teach your groups or do you find it necessary or helpful to incorporate any specific data points before a person participates in their first cold plunge? Now I know what we just said, of course, there's, the personalized data points of who who's coming, who's showing up, where have they been, what's their history, and where are they going. But let's just talk about: Do you use any um, genetic details? Are you looking at methylation pathways or or anything else? Whether it's subjective, objective, what else paints the picture for you? Yeah, I mean, I get an insight on sort of medical history on a very top level. Uh, from a top level perspective, right? I make people sign their life away, just meaning like, I know I'm of sound mind and body. And if I have any questions, because Kristen Weitzel, I am not a medical doctor, right? So I make sure that people are like, you know, I believe in autonomy. I believe that people can show up to the cold and show up to breath work in a way that's like, I'm standing in my own power as an adult. And I sort of require that, you know, someone who feels ready and able to do it, even though people can be nervous. Um, I, I make sure people don't have contraindications. Those do exist, right? If you're pregnant and you've never done cold plunging before, and and, and even especially in the first trimester, I'm probably not going to have someone super ventilate their breath. I'm just, you know, it's like a lot of people these days are working really hard on fertility and making babies. Let's not throw a wrench into that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, like any severe heart, heart conditions or super high blood pressure, anything that just could be you know, something as a touch point that you're well aware of is a dis-ease state or an imbalance in your body that you would want to check out with a doctor before you put yourself into icy temperatures. That does not include, oh my God, I have my period. I probably can't get in the cold. Oh my <laughs> goodness. I feel really scared. Let me make up a story about how I'm allergic to ice cubes, whatever, like, yeah. you know, and, and not here to call anyone out or judge anyone. I just, I want people to know that the transformational power of cold exposure specifically, but when coupled with really good breath coaching is something that is, it feels anticipatory, meaning the anticipation of the cold bath and the cold plunge is way worse than the actual cold plunge itself. That if I'm telling anybody anything on the, who's listening right now, you may feel like cold is not for me, or I don't do well in cold. I've heard that a lot, or I just don't like the cold. And it's like, of course, so many people are like that. And also I would invite you to say, 
this thing that has become a big, it's a, on a mug a client gave me a little while ago. It's this thing that I really begun to lean into tremendously, which is your comfort zone is killing you. Yeah. And, and so how do you, you know, it seems like this old adage, like get outside of your comfort zone. It's like, but what does that really mean? It really means like stretching your boundaries to understand the actual capacity you showed up here with. Like you were born with a capacity to be able to do hard things. And, you know, men or women alike, when it was more of a propensity or this risk, more risk aversion for females, if you kind of look at the landscape genetics or like, let's not say genetics, but let's say and the biochemistry of a, of a yeah. physiological female yeah. is more risk averse, right? We go back to tribal culture. And there are moments that maybe we don't pick up the heavy weight in the gym or ex- slam a few extra plates on the barbell. We, we don't get in the cold because we feel like it's maybe a little bit more risky. And, and while that intuition can serve us well, there's a place for men and women in all bodies of all kinds. That's like, yo, it's time to get out of this like your comfort zone is killing you get out of there like where can you stretch and if you get in for two minutes and you hate it you never have to do it again you know like that's fine but not everybody's getting in the ice is like hey I love this it's my dream it's very rare that I find that you know people think people say to me often no one likes the cold and I'm like well like I don't like want to run around in it naked for 10 hours maybe but like I love getting in ice I love the cold and it's it's uh, I think it's something that was either birthed in me and then I've rediscovered or I just have gotten adapted enough that I know how good it is for me and it sort of makes me crave it a good friend of mine or like my meditation mistress you would say Emily Fletcher (laughs) who's just incredible um Ziva meditation she always says, you know, we don't meditate to get good at meditation. We meditate to get good at life. And I've really sort of adopted that in the ice and saying, you know, we don't get in ice baths to get good at getting in the cold. We, we get in the ice bath to get good at life. And that's, that's, that's the, that's the thing, you know, it's like, we're, we're making ourselves, uh, maybe we're making ourselves more expanded, but we're also like stepping back into our, our capacity that we've, we've always had. That's what I'm facilitating. I'm not getting anybody to be better than they ever were before. Like maybe at a cellular level because they've skipped some steps. Yeah. This is all stuff that we had capacity to do. We just didn't know how to do it. So let's 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 not only I can't get a million people healthier through (laughs) cold and breath on my own. So let me make some instructors. And this is this program, I could say it a hundred times, and it's just amazing to me how it continues to grow is this program it facilitated itself into my life. You know, I was teaching cold and breath for four or five years with clients and this, this instructor training, which is what Sherpa is all about training coaches, instructors, practitioners, facilitators. It came out of, it it came to me. Like it said, okay, it's time, you know? Yeah. Just a natural, you know, evolution here. It's definitely a good time to discuss ritual. You're talking about this high level acknowledgement. And I love that your course is teaching practitioners how to create a journey. And I think that that's mm-hmm. a huge piece. It's often missing, you know, in my business development consulting, when practitioners ask me, why have I plateaued? I can't figure out why my groups aren't well attended or I'm not coming up with a new idea and my attendance is low. I just always notice now that it's because they haven't built in this very paramount aspect of creating a ritual, holding space um, for their people. So what's your special way of teaching practitioners how to hold space through specific intention? Is it just exactly what you're talking about now, this acknowledgement, this level of acknowledgement? I mean, a piece of it is a level of acknowledgement, you know, an acknowledgement being sort of, 
you know, I have this tagline in the business that came from, it's a whole nother story in and of itself. It came from a painting at Burning Man that was like given to my dad in a weird gifting ceremony before my dad passed away that then sat on his desk that then I took and hung in my bathroom. And then was like, oh, the whole time this has been staring me in the face. This is the tagline of the business, which is climb your own mountain. And so there's an acknowledgement that everybody is climbing their own mountain. It's not about like, well, Harry did 20 minutes in the cold or Joe Rogan is a badass. And what like, it's not about that. And it's, 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 it's understanding that the only thing that we, it's all inside of us. And the only thing that we have to worry about expanding or uh, improving a possibility is of like of how I can improve myself in the now and how I can feel better in the now. Yeah. And so that's really about, you know, it's about your own personal experience and letting it not be comparative, right? Because everyone has their own unique gifts. So part of that is acknowledging it. The other thing is like the, what I'm teaching, what I'm trying to teach. And I use that word very intentionally as I don't like to use or trying, but what I'm hoping people will grok and what I'm trying to share in a weekend is instructors or coaches or guides can show up with a fervor and a level of connectivity if they've left all their shit at the door, you know, their own personal stuff. And they're clean enough, their slate is clean enough and they're in the now. I want to say like greeting people. I always talk about it from the parking lot in. Like I can see someone's nervous system state if I'm ready 15 minutes before they arrive to a cold and breath session. And I watch them from the parking lot in because the chances are that they, I will understand the state that they are in when they don't know I'm watching. When I, <laughs> it's just like from the moment of like, what they're just like on their phone with their partner being like, shut up, whatever. I'll see you at the house. Oh, hi. How are you? You know what I mean? You, you got to get the whole side, yeah. both sides of the coin. Yeah. And so that, that piece of, of, of that, you know, there's a piece of that, like from the parking lot in, and then there's an understanding of how we go through, um, you know, the, the intake process. And then how do we work with people in the space of doing breath and cold? And how do we have intentions being set? And then the most important thing is like what these people get in the experience with my coaches, right? Or like the coaches that are my coaches, the coaches who come out of Sherpa breath and cold, then how do they utilize the experience that's happened in the space to uh, layer into integration for that person. So that person's like, I had this badass, amazing experience of breath and transformation and cold and a great Instagram photo. But what is that? How is that related to my life? So it's our job as coaches and guides and facilitators to say, Hey, I have an invitation. Would you like to receive it? I, how interesting is it that we see this thing going on in the colds that maybe parallels the way you and Mary are dating or the way that you and your boss are relating or what have you. And oh my it, God, take, it takes some time, right. To cultivate that. And it also, what I, what I'm wanting to empower people in the Sherpa breath and cold training weekend is to, to have some balls. And by that, which is a ridiculous expression in and of itself, but um, to just get ballsier, to get ballsier about saying to people, take what you want and leave the rest. This is what I'm seeing. It's so beautiful when somebody can ask to share something with you and you can be an open growth mindseted portal of a person to go, okay, this might sting. I don't know what's coming, but I'm ready. I'll take it. I want to hear it. Like, what's that truth feel like? And I think there are a lot of things that I don't always offer it up, but there are a lot of things I see in people coming through breath work and coming through colds, or sometimes things that are processed through larger breath work journeys that people will then open up and talk about that. Then we can have some conversation and I'm not trying to be a psychotherapist, nor am I trying to coach anyone to be that, but 
if people walk through the door of breath and cold and they get on the other side and they're like, oh shit, I just learned these two things about myself in a way that seemed a hell of a lot faster than, than you know, a year of talk therapy, then, then maybe they actually can integrate it and apply it and we can be a, a, a facilitator of that. And that's, that's part of the goal, right? Well, I mean, you are teaching client protocols, right? Client. Yeah. So I know you're not calling yourself a psychotherapist, but I've been in conversation with you and I've overheard you talking to other people. So it's you being an expression of yourself and other people integrating that and weaving that into how they facilitate. Um, you know, my astrologer, Danny Beinstein, she mm. gave advice at the end of um a podcast she was on because one of the listeners just asked, Oh, how do I break into this? And how do I differentiate myself from everybody else? And she said, before you get into anything, uh, you know, lean into and feel what it's like to be a facilitator, you know, your own version of being a facilitator and go have experiences using different therapies and doing different things and then come back to being the, you know, the facilitator, et cetera. So anyway, from a integrative approach, it's so clear that you've brought everything, all your experiences with you. And it's not like you're, you know, saying to somebody, jump, jump in this cold, go have a nice life after that. You're, you know, you're definitely building that in for people. It's so obvious and thoughtful, the care and intention that you put into helping people post cold exposure. (laughs) Yeah, and like that's what I want us all to do. It's look, it, yeah. we don't have to all take ourselves so seriously. There are times that it's like we're all plunging together and it's like fun, high five, let's have a tea and a sandwich. Oh my god, you did amazing. Or here's a new protocol, and we're like laughing through it, or there's you know, there's there's play in there too. Yeah. But what there is a lot of, especially for new cold plungers or new like I definitely have people come to breathwork sessions that are like, I don't, I never really knew like things are happening to them that feel highly emotional or heightened. And they're like, why is all this happening? And I never really knew. And no one ever explained it to them. Even just students or people who are showing up clients are like, I need to understand more about why this is happening. And there's a level of comfort that they may have with me or that I want people to have with their breathwork facilitators of like, why did that thing just happen? Just scientifically, right? I want this for breathwork instructors too. Like if you're a breathwork instructor and you're out there and you're leading masterful journeys, three cheers. And also please make sure that you understand the science behind what's going on when you put someone through a breathwork process or journey, because there are pretty, pretty big things in the landscape of like, you know, getting out of your default mode network of your brain so that you can process trauma. And then people walk out the door after two hours of breathing heavy with you, like a baby giraffe. And it's like, what, (laughs) what is that person going to go do? Right. And this is like when I would go through big trainings with people or like you go to like landmark or something and they're like, for the next two weeks, you can't like divorce anyone, quit your job, do you know, and you get <laughs> yes. married, you can't make any big like decisions. I, mm-hmm. I want that for like facilitators and I want that for people to really be able to be like, they don't need to come learn it from me. They can learn it from whoever they want, but it's like, let's just get really clear on what, what hoops we're having human bodies go through in these sessions so that we understand what the outcomes could be and, and best ways to integrate them. That's like always going to be paramount. And also let's not always take ourselves so seriously that we have to be like, Om, Om Shanti, Om Navaya, let's light a candle and let's all be quiet and noble silence for this entire ice plunge. Like there's a time and a place for that. And there's also a time and place for us to like play at a, at a recent training I did. I just did like my advanced protocol, which I typically only do like 60 once every 60 days or something. Cause it's just, 
it, I always think it feels a little gnarly. I said that out loud before the last, I had a woman do it with me at the end of a training session when everyone else had sort of taken off for the day. And I was like, oh, I should have never verbalized it. I was like, this is so gnarly because what I meant was like gnarly, like a skateboarder. Yeah. And she just heard me say gnarly and went into it like with like 10 degrees more nervousness, you know, and it was actually like super fun to do. So just having play, exploring protocols and not taking ourselves so seriously in the sense that anybody could try any kind of breathing protocol. I certainly didn't make up for seven, eight or breathe in for two or out for four. I don't, I try not to have an ego about any of that shit. It's like everyone, there's lots of breathwork styles. There's lots of cold exposure protocols. We should all experiment them with, the, with them all and see what feels good for us, right? Because Johnny might like this and Maria might like that. And what feels good for us is what we want to, you know, we want to proliferate. In exchange of knowledge through and through and through, I'm sure there's so much that you're constantly learning from all the different types of practitioners that enriches how you end up, you know, going forward in your additional teachings. So. Oh, hell yeah. And the people that show up, like I've, it's such a gift. I think I was just telling you the Jesse who's hosting in Hayesville, North Carolina is like parkour master, professional stunt double, like insane, like jumps off of things and buildings and guy lines and he's just guy insane like in my cool yeah he sounds so cool and so like people who are understanding stress at a level like that as well as i have psychotherapists who come or massage therapists like just people who understand and talk about the body and there's never i i always am like i've definitely during weekends been like hey you know, Mary, I know you're a, a massage therapist. You've been doing this for 20 years. Like, I would love for you to do like a half an hour on the power of touch and like three things we can each do if we are giving given consent to touch a person in our class or workshop that might be like really opening or feel really good and like also feel really safe. And it's not that I can't teach some of that. I have a big yogic background and assisting and adjusting. I put my hands on a lot of bodies with consent and but if I have someone who's 20 years in there and they're like open and excited to share their gifts, then why not like weave that into the course, right? So here and there, I had a guy who owned a sauna company. I was like, great, let's spend, you know, 80% of the weekends are always the same because I want the certification to be in, in alignment. And also if I have a room full of CrossFit coaches or a room full of plant medicine journeyers or a big mix of all different kinds of people, then it's going to be a little directionally uh, geared in one direction or the other, right. To be able to serve those people's businesses best, including things like, what do I charge for this? How do I set up a business structure? You know, I've done all that in my life. And so I'm like, I'm like, come to the weekend and squeeze every drop of lemon juice out of the lemon you can. (laughs) Um, and I've set up, you know, online digital things after the fact that like people have, it's my manual is 60 pages long. Ain't no way we're getting through that in a weekend. And I put research and podcasts and all of this stuff in it to be able to give people enough rope to hang themselves, quite frankly. It's like, here's a manual. We're going to cover 20 pages of the manual, the most important things. We're going to do what no one else is really doing very often, which is we're going to understand on day one and we're going to practically apply on day two. And we're going to put some crash test dummies, beautiful like Sherpa support strangers come that become friends and we put them in the cold. We've never met them before. And then we all, we all have a chance to, um, get feedback live time from someone we don't know. Right. And that's the best environments is when I have enough people show up that are strangers that become friends. And then they say, this is what I liked. And this is what I didn't because they are safe enough and held in high esteem and value enough to be able to say, your opinion is so important right now for this coach. And 
many times we don't get that from others. You know, we have to create a container for that. This is huge because we've uh, perhaps overvalued um, empirical data for so long now, and it's so limited. And I love that we're coming into community with such authenticity, authenticity and openness where we're tracking data in a different way. And all these primary sources are sharing in real time and then disseminating it. It's just the multiplier mm. effect embodied. I'm seeing it more and more and more. So many more people in alignment. It's just, it's freaking incredible. I feel like that's why the discussions at the biohacking conference around this were just Oh my gosh, so fun and intense, but intense in a great way. And everybody was leaving to say, I'm going to teach this course and I can't wait. And thank you for teaching me this because I'm going to be with this massage therapist and this shaman and, you know, this mm. person. And that's what I'm, you know, hearing in you right now. I just, I love it all. It's so awesome. Yeah. It's really exciting. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. Mm. We are going to answer some questions from the listeners because they cool. really good questions. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And really good, sensitive questions that sometimes I don't think about. I love this. So somebody wanted to ask you, have you had any experience working um, with people who are revitalizing health after struggling with alcohol abuse? And what do you want to share about cold exposure related to this? Yeah, uh, I definitely have had um, people in the cold, people in breathwork who have are post-addiction or coming out of, uh, let's just say, in recovery, right? It could be addictions yeah. across the across the landscape um, and, and other traumas uh, coming out of prison, uh, things like that. I, I think what I've learned most is that as long as there's a facilitator holding space that feels safe, that there is some processing that can be done in, in and through the breath and the cold. And for anyone who's nervous about it, you know, there is something to be said for, um, uh, it's bordering on this autonomous thing, which is knowing that you are in control and you are strong enough to be able to create your own container within the container of the work that you're, you're working on with a practitioner and, and, letting go of only or surrendering only that with which you are comfortable, whether that means, you know, a little bit of a peeling away of the layers at a time, a little bit of the um, expressing what you may have repressed. This is not a, this happens to everyone thing, but, but often that happens as I'm express, somebody's expressing something they have repressed coming through breath work and cold exposure. And all of that is like, totally fine. No one should be forcing you to let go of things that you want, that you're not really quite ready to let go of and, um, uh, you know, better out than in. So I think that that's a very broad stroke question because the answer is kind of bio-individual depending on what state of recovery someone is in. But I also think that there is a shape-shifting quality to the essence Sherpa, Sherpa is, you know, we all know, I think we all know what Sherpa is, right? Sherpa is this guy that goes up the mountain that is only just leading you because they've been up the mountain like 20 times before you. And in some cases, no more than that, right? And they, maybe they carry yeah. your stuff. <laughs> so, you know, I, I also felt like I had to call all my, you know, plant medicine people and connections to tribal worlds and things like that to say, am I going to get canceled for, for naming it this? I didn't even, I this sounds silly, but like, I, I didn't exactly really even name it myself. It's just people started saying you Sherpa me through the ice. And that stuck so hard when I moved to Austin. And I said, well, this is obviously the name of the program. Yeah, meant to be. The, 
Yeah, meant to be. And then Sherpa, you know, for me, it's it's an acronym as well. It's like surrender is the S. And that is the most important piece of this is understanding what level of letting go and surrender we can actually have in the midst, like in the eye of the storm, right? We can actually like sit and say, what's the lesson right here, right now, in the most vast amount of surrender that I can have in this moment. And so, you know, when you when you look at a, a, a landscape of the playing field of recovery, there will be resistance there. And so even if that surrender is just a small, you know, step in the right direction or unveiling of something that might have been holding someone back, I think it's a beautiful opportunity to to move into that space because you there's a default when you get into sub 40 degree Fahrenheit water where you're like, even if you're trying to behave a certain way, you're like, fuck, this is cold. Or, you know, or, uh, or uh, there have been moments I rarely cry in the ice. Doesn't mean it's bad. If you do, I just, I don't cry a lot in the ice, but there are moments that I'll get in the cold in the first 30 seconds, I might have like a teary eyed or emotional response. And for me, that's a signal that I haven't been self-caring enough that my stress levels or my cortisol might be too high and I need to do a better job the next day of maybe not going in the cold and taking better care of myself from a self-care plan standpoint. And I know what that plan is for me. And so that to me is a signal. And like, I think on the inside, well, I'm coaching and I'm fine and I got it and whatever. And I get in the <laughs> cold and the cold doesn't lie. You know, it's, it's telling me and thank goodness I have that sweet you know, reminder that the cold is like, Hey, you just surrendered. And in this moment of surrender, I'm going to give you a little bit of a poke in the belly that you haven't been self-caring enough because your emotional state is too raw. So yeah, like I, this is a very come one, come all experience, unless you think that there's a big contraindication that your doctor says, absolutely no. And I think that in the addiction and recovery space and the, um, like I said, you know, I had a chance to coach and work with some people coming out of prisons and, and things like that. Like we get a really beautiful opportunity to reinvent ourselves in ways that, again, we've always had in us. We just didn't know was there. I, I almost feel like I should have asked you a group of questions before. Because <laughs> I think you sort of are just answer, <laughs> answering several of these at once because these are all coming from practitioners and so, mm. you know, people with their specialties, uh, then, you know, my next question is from someone who says, I am a mental emotional health specialist. I incorporate mm. EMDR and hypnotherapy into my practice. Have you found that people respond more ideally to cold exposure if they utilize either of these? So a lot That's of- so I- interesting. Yeah, but this is a great one. Like, because I think it's like, what a gift if you already have like a hypnotherapy background, what a gift. Like I just, I've been playing with um, brain tap in the cold. Oh, I mean, I, like I have a whole bunch of like footage, you know, like creating a reels is not my dream, but I have so this footage <laughs> and these photos and like Freddie took a bunch of stuff and I'm like in the barrel and the forge and I need to put oh, it together fun. and share it because it's so interesting. Because if you know Patrick Porter's work and brain tap, it's a bit of like uh, entrainment and hypnotherapy vibe to it. And I just released a couple tracks on there, which is super fun. I saw that. And, I can't wait to see yeah. hear those. Yeah. And so people who are showing up with those gifts already, it's like weave that into the work, right? Maybe it's not every moment of the work with every client, but like weave that into the work because it's going to be, a, especially if you've been working with someone already, it's a space of safety. And then they feel more safe while they're in the water with you right and that's you know that's just like a space that you can open up a space you can use brain entrainment a space you can use hypnotherapy like all the tools in your toolkit 
And also recognize you can, you can try to, you can layer in some of those things and someone has such an adaptation response or a heightened response when they first get in the cold that it all goes out the window. So um, it's bio-individual. And also the more tools you have in your toolkit, the better set up you are for creating the most important thing that a client leaves with or a person you're working with leaves with, which is a feeling of success, a feeling of I expanded my capacity. I feel good in my skin. Wow. That was like, I did something really hard and succeeded at it. Yeah. I talk about that a lot with my clients, you know, are you feeling satisfied? (laughs) And they go, huh, no one's asked me that. No one's asked me if I'm satisfied. And, you know, then we get into talking about success and it's this thing that's, you know, traditionally measured in the workplace or in a sporting activity. Uh, But it's a different level of self-reflection. I think it's so important. So I love that you, you know, I wrote a call for the college. I wish I had, I wish it was like back in the day when they kept stuff that wasn't on like microfiche or some, some shit in the college (laughs) basement. But I wrote a, I wrote an article for the college newspaper, university newspaper when I was in school, that was like, the definition of success, like, so the, the university tagline was like, we teach success. And I wrote this whole like diatribe about how success was always measured by money and that we should be changing the school tagline. So we teach excellence because that's what yes. so like, I, vibe, I vibe with you on that. You know, like there's, it's like, I want people to walk at the door feeling like, wow, that was a level of like excellence or performance or like self-love that I've never had before. And even if it's just like 1% more, right. It's a win. And if people leave with that, they're more likely to adhere to a regular practice. And this is, you can get in cold and you can do a breathwork practice once and benefit your body. But when you do it regularly, there's like nothing quite like what you see happen and how you see things change. I don't know. The power went out up here the other night, really abruptly, like we were cooking and, and people were like, what just happened? And I was like, Oh no, it happens. Like, and they start to start to think, why am I so nonchalant? Cause I'm a very intense person. So like, there's a, a huge, I mean, I don't even know the size of a bigger than a golf ball spider that shows up in my suitcase this morning, crawls right out of my like bra and I'm going, okay. But like, there's, I was like, how come I'm not like screaming at that? Like, not that you have to, but it was, I was just like, okay, let me put a glass over it. I don't want to kill it. I don't. And I just like, some of this is just lessons that come straight out of that breathing, de-stressing, getting in cold, having shocking things happen to you, happen to you. And then managing them. This is like, I always use the expression of like, the baby is in the highway and the truck's coming and you have to be like, take a calm, easy breath and then scoop the baby up and run out of the way just in the nick of time. It's like that that isn't necessarily the story, but that silly example is just about like, how do we, if we freak out, we don't make it in time. So how do we, you know, how do we give ourselves the best possibility of being even and easy and wide-eyed and, you know, able to take everything in and manage the stress in a day-to-day environment, right? There's a bazillion benefits people can look up and hear and listen to Huberman and you and I could talk about till we're blue in the face, benefits of breathing yourself into better and benefits of the cold exposure, right? But the the biggest, most important thing is like understanding how we manage stress on a day-to-day basis and get better at it. Yeah. I mean, success and satisfaction, they're relative. Obviously it's just the acknowledgement that you brought up in the example of, um, you know, rising to excellence and what's the anatomy Mm -hmm. of success. And I mean, the spider, uh, the, you know, it's so gnarly girl. I was like, 
Are you kidding me with the size of this spider? It's crazy, right? But it's it's awesome the way you're explaining it. It's just your nervous system isn't unhinged. And you're saying to yourself, oh, I am actually somewhat the master of this. And I can use all of those catecholamines exactly when I need them. But I'm <laughs> not going to, you know, give away my power to this spider. Let me just help that thing out the door, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's good to tell those little stories because it does teach people of all ages. You're the master of your reality if you're willing to take pause, observe, and yeah, you know, everything you're saying basically. So this is a good, okay, so the last question is a good one then. Um, Somebody got really personal here um, because they were thinking about, as a practitioner, if they were to do this, they were thinking about their own trepidation. So they write... My resistance to cold exposure is a thought in my mind, but I really want to bring this therapy to my client base. I've had digestive issues for a long time where when I'm nervous, I have to run to the restroom and immediately have a bowel movement. What if I get in the ice bath and immediately have to go? You might say, well, you can get out, but I'm curious to learn if the ice bath could actually help regulate this experience for me. I love this question. <laughs> I love this question too. I like, I would say like hundred percent, the ice bath can help you regulate that experience because like you're, you're, you're making the highest, uh, one of the highest levels of stress that your body can ever face in some ways, you're just making it happen. It's deliberate cold exposure for a reason. Like, and if you feel like you're going to come into this weekend course and like poop in the tub, like if you're going to do it, there's no better place to do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And also I don't believe that that will happen because I think what happens is you get vasoconstrict your body has to be like rest, digest, right. In many ways, um, unless you have some big, you know, dis-ease state or thing that's going on, like what we, another conversation to talk about IBS and where it comes from and all of those things, if that's what we're talking about here. But I think, you know, it's, I just say to anyone who's like super nervous, there's really good coaches out there. And like, if you're going to be nervous about, if you're so in a heightened state that you're like, I have to be with someone who's coaching really well, or I really want to have held space held for me. And then I, I, I just, there's not much else in my life that I can say this about, even though I do a lot of things well, like just, there's no better person to come and take this course with. Like I will hold space for you. Like, um, like a, like a crazy woman, like you'll be fine. And I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do anything. You don't consent, want to consent to do. And especially if you're working, like whoever is asking this question, especially if you're working with people and it's something you want to bring into your practice, all it takes is like your first plunge, your first, opening to the understanding of what's happening scientifically in the body to know how safe you really are. And then, and then everything like can explode in your practice where you get to layer this into other people's lives and just change them forever. So like, why would you let a little thing like a moment of fear stand in the way of you changing hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people's lives by having this as a tool in your tool belt. And it doesn't have to just be cold. It also you know, people come for the colds because they're like, this is badass. Chris is going to teach me all this stuff. But I'm also going to teach you how to reverse engineer your nervous system throughout stress like we do using the breath into the cold. I will teach you that if you have no option to get near a cold exposure plunge or a tub or whatever, river, anything, I will teach you how to provide a space for people where they can open and peel back layers by just using breath, right? So that people can leave and be teaching breath for 15 minutes and then cold or a combo or just one or just the other in in any way, shape or form, depending on context and audience. And so to me, it's like, 
just like we don't give ourselves enough credit. We just don't, right? It's my soapbox yeah. I will forever stand yeah. on. We look in the mirror and we say all this stuff to ourselves about how we're just not good enough or not worthy enough or it's too scary, or it's too hard. And there's nothing true about that in the cold, right? There is something to be said if you're like outdoors in the middle of a mountain landscape and you have nothing keeping you warm. Like we want to be smart. It's not just like run away and go plunge for 40 minutes <laughs> in like, you know, 35 degree water. Like you'll get hypothermia. Don't come back and yell at me later. But as long as you're knowing that there is a setup for safety and that you're expanding that setup more and more as you grow, like I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Canada in January and cut ice holes and get in it in mother nature even more than I ever have before. Cause I'm so ready for that. Right. You don't have to do that on day one. You can also do that on day one, as long as you feel like you have a good guide. So I say to that person, like, hell yeah, show up. I promise you and I work together to be amazing. And the chances of you pooping in the tub are slim to none. <laughs> um, what's so funny about this, um, well, this is someone I know who asked this question and, mm. you know, she said, well, I, I did poop in front of five people at my home birth. So what would it, would it even be that big of a deal if I, Socially. And I, I mean, look at the that. amazing lesson all the other instructors would get. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us to talk about all this today, but let's spend a few more minutes telling people how they can sign up and get you know get themselves involved in the course that's coming up here in North Carolina yeah perfect yeah um for sure so sherpa breath and cold is the website s-h-e-r-p-a breath and cold.com it has all the information on like the classes it's under the header of instructor certification so you can see everything about the business that I do but the instructor certification page tells all the um, North Carolina event is the weekend of the 19th and 20th of November. So it's the weekend before Thanksgiving, perfect time. You just roll it into that off week with a little bit of breath and cold work, rolling into that family, family <laughs> dynamic with a little bit of like, Hey, I can handle stress. And uh, it's in Hayesville, North Carolina. It's just such a beautiful retreat space with a 300 gallon cold fed spring plunge and a six person sauna, which I always, I don't always get to have a sauna on site. So that's, That's cool. a super treat. Yeah, it's a super treat to have that. And, you know, for anyone who's interested, I, I'm always at Warrior Woman Mode on Instagram. So I'm posting a lot there. And the um, the one other thing I'll just put out there is if you're listening to this and you're further on the West Coast, there is a Maui event in, in December. But, but if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm in X market, X city, X part of the world, I just can't get in 2022 to either of these places, which I really do want you in North Carolina because it's so gorgeous. Um, then like people can contact me through that, that webpage and say, Hey, I have a facility, a retreat center, a CrossFit gym or whatever. And, um, and host as well as I'm just starting to pull plug in all my, um, monthly cities. I get to the cities around the now internationally, very exciting. So I'm so happy to do that with people. If they feel like they have a facility and a crew of friends that wants to kind of get or coaches that wants to get involved. I love that because that was actually another question that people had was if you curated, you know, retreats here, there, and everywhere, if there's a big enough group. So thanks for mentioning that. And yeah, I I'll carry retreats. I do a lot of plant medicine work too. I know this isn't the, the goal of exactly the conversation, but I, by plant medicine work, I just mean I facilitate breath work and cold exposure at plant medicine retreats at women's retreats at where I'm not coming in and necessarily taking up 
eight hours a day, two days in a row of people's time, but I'm doing like a three hour workshop. I just did it with wild health as an organ medical organization. And um, I'll do it with corporations or I'll do it with people who are um, wanting to hold this specific training for the two, eight hours in their facility. So it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great team builder. It's a great, (laughs) people are like, we survived. This is amazing. So a lot of ways to leave it in. Well, Hayesville for people who haven't necessarily heard of it, it's accessible by driving from Nashville, Charlotte, Atlanta, um, even Charleston, Raleigh. I mean, you can zip over there in not too long. So it's a good road trip, easy to get to. So there are a lot of access points for sure. Yeah. It feels like Blue Ridge Mountains. Yesterday when I was like on the maps, I was like, Hayesville population 368 people I was like I want to go there like (laughs) cute little cafes and groceries and um, but it's super commutable for a lot of these markets in um you know northern Georgia and then the Carolinas and even like you said Tennessee so I encourage people to take the drive or like leave themselves on over on the way to see their their family fandango for Thanksgiving in the states and (laughs) I'm here for it I'm so here for it I love it. And I'm going to also have a link in the well-examined profile on Instagram. And if anybody has any questions, I can help filter those to Kristen or help answer some questions. So yeah, we have all the different ways to get involved here for sure. Kristen, you rock. Thank you so much. I love you, sister. All the biohacking love between us is so magical. Love. And for everybody listening, Stay tuned. Kristen's going to come back sooner than later for a deep, deep dive where we're going to answer more questions and get into a lot of the science and the, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual aspects too. So she'll be back again soon. Lots of love to everybody out there. Bye, Kristen. Talk to you more soon. Okay. Take care. 